The deep state and the mainstream media are salivating for a brand new hot war, this time with Russia over Ukraine. We'll discuss what's really going on and what we should and should not do in this week's episode of Analysis Behind the News, where we provide the perspective and the plan to save American liberty and independence. On Tuesday, the Associated Press reported the Pentagon ordered 8,500 troops on higher alert Monday to potentially deploy to Europe as part of a NATO response force amid growing concern that Russia could soon make a military move on Ukraine. President Joe Biden consulted with key European leaders underscoring U.S. solidarity with allies there. In addition to potentially sending those 8,500 U.S. troops to Europe, troops from Florida's National Guard are already in Ukraine. According to the Washington Examiner, Florida's Army National Guard 53rd Infantry Brigade Combat Team has been executing a train and advise mission to develop the Ukrainian Armed Forces Combat Training Center, Yavorov, since 2015, and their work remains ongoing despite the threat from Russia. The 7th Army Training Command oversees the Joint Multinational Training Group Ukraine. There are roughly 165 National Guardsmen currently deployed, a spokesperson from the 7th Army Training Command told the Washington Examiner on Wednesday. The same article also pointed out that a Marine Lieutenant Colonel Anton T. Semelroff told Task and Purpose, an online military news website, that in the event war does break out in Ukraine, the Florida National Guard troops are not allowed to accompany Ukrainian troops into battle. However, unless those National Guard troops are withdrawn, who is to say that they will not get caught in a conflict or become accidentally targeted by Russian forces, in turn giving the deep state and the Biden administration the pretext to fight a war in Ukraine against Russia. If that or another similar scenario happens, it wouldn't be the first time that the U.S. was dragged into an undeclared war. Recall how on August 4, 1964, the NSA and President Lyndon Johnson claimed that North Vietnamese torpedo boats had attacked the U.S. Navy destroyers USS Maddox and USS Turner Joy in the Gulf of Tonkin. As a result of this alleged attack, President Johnson delivered a televised speech to the nation in which he announced that he had ordered U.S. military forces to, quote, take action in reply and that he would, quote, immediately request the Congress to pass a resolution making it clear that our government is united in its determination to take all necessary measures in support of freedom and in defense of peace in Southeast Asia. Despite there being no such second attack on the destroyers Maddox and Turner Joy, the propagation of the alleged incident gave justification for U.S. entry in South Vietnam's war against communist North Vietnam. However, U.S. entry in Vietnam began nearly a decade earlier, when President Dwight Eisenhower sent about 700 military advisors as well as military and economic assistance to South Vietnam. Afterwards, President John F. Kennedy escalated those numbers. According to the JFK Presidential Library and Museum, quote, by the end of 1962, there were approximately 11,000 military advisors in South Vietnam. And by the end of 1963, the numbers had risen to 16,000. 
It appears as though history is repeating itself, beginning with President Barack Obama's initial sending of military advisors and other military and economic aid to Ukraine to the current military escalation under Biden. But if a war breaks out between Ukraine and the Russian Federation, should the U.S. get involved? Part of the conflict is driven by Russian President Vladimir Putin's urging that Ukrainian membership in NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, would not be permitted. NATO was originally founded in 1949 as a collective security alliance among the United States, Canada, Denmark, Iceland, the United Kingdom, Norway, the Netherlands, Luxembourg, Belgium, France, Portugal, and Italy, in order to counter the Soviet Union and its socialist satellite nations. The military alliance is cemented in Article 5 of the founding North Atlantic Treaty, which states in part, quote, the parties agree that an armed attack against one or more of them in Europe or North America shall be considered an attack against them all, and consequently, they agree that if such an armed attack occurs, each of them, in exercise of the right of individual or collective self-defense recognized by Article 51 of the Charter of the United Nations, will assist the party or parties so attacked by taking forthwith Individually and in concert with the other parties, such action as it deems necessary, including the use of armed force to restore and maintain the security of the North Atlantic area. Over the years and subsequent decades, the NATO alliance steadily grew to include additional member nations, even after the purported collapse of communism and dissolution of both the Soviet Union and its Warsaw Pact communist military alliance, NATO remained and in 1999 even expanded eastward into the former Warsaw Pact. In 2004, NATO saw its biggest expansion when seven Eastern European nations, including Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania, all three of which were Soviet socialist republics belonging to the Soviet Union, joined the Western alliance. Ukrainian membership in NATO would have major implications. Russian pipelines supplying natural gas to much of Europe pass through Ukraine, which itself is likewise rich in natural gas, oil, coal, and also uranium. Ukraine is also strategically located along the Black Sea. In the cover story of the February 14, 2022 issue of the New American magazine titled Russia versus Ukraine, Is It Our Fight? Author Charles Scaliger assesses the gravity of the situation, writing, the West, in turn, accused Russia of threatening Ukraine's sovereignty and vowed resolute action against Russia, including possible military involvement, should Putin opt to invade. President Biden himself hinted at drastic economic sanctions, including perhaps cutting off Russia from the Belgium-based SWIFT Society of Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication, a system that allows international trade money wiring and currency convertibility. As a result of this conflict, in tandem with the growing crisis over Taiwan in the Far East, the world is facing the first real threat of a major war between nuclear-armed superpowers since the Cold War and the first use of nuclear weapons since World War II. Scalger continues explaining that Putin has made clear that failure to guarantee a NATO-free Ukraine is a deal breaker.
Ukrainian membership in NATO and ultimately into the European Union would be regarded as a major blow to Russia, which has been wanting to bring the former Soviet Socialist Republic closer to its orbit and as an eventual member nation in the Eurasian Economic Union. Also known as the EAEU, the Eurasian Economic Union is virtually an attempt to economically reintegrate the countries that previously comprised the Soviet Union into a new customs union that is ostensibly patterned after the European Union but with Russian characteristics. And herein lies the heart of the conflict. Which globalist economic bloc will the Ukraine ultimately belong to? The European Union or the Eurasian Economic Union? What we are currently seeing unfolding in Ukraine could very well be described as a globalist chess match between the EU-US deep state against the Sino-Soviet axis of China, Russia, and its allies, eyeing to capture Ukraine and Taiwan into their Eurasian territorial orbit. But the end game is still the same, an east-west convergence into a one-world government that will be comprised of a handful of continental and regional economic unions as opposed to the current arrangement of about roughly 200 independent sovereign nations. Scaliger points to this in the article, writing, as former U.S. National Security Advisor and unapologetic globalist Zbigniew Brzezinski opined in 1995, we cannot leap into world government in one quick step. The precondition for eventual globalization Genuine globalization is progressive regionalization because thereby we move toward larger, more stable, more cooperative units. Likewise, fellow globalist Henry Kissinger, whose deep state pedigree is like that of Zbigniew Brzezinski, also includes membership in the Council on Foreign Relations and the Trilateral Commission, made a similar admission in his book, World Order, published in 2014 and 2015. On page 371 of World Order, Kissinger wrote, The contemporary quest for world order will require a coherent strategy to establish a concept of order within the various regions and to relate these regional orders to one another. It is this very desire to create more cooperative units or regional orders such as the EU and its NATO sword that is guiding the Biden administration and the overall U.S. and EU foreign policy actions in Ukraine. While both Russia and China permanently sit on the U.N. Security Council and openly share a desire to create a free trade area of the Asia-Pacific, the FTAAP, together with the U.S., Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and Japan, China and Russia still remain intrinsically zealous of their own national sovereignties and suspicious of the U.S. and its Western allies, all of whom virtually surround the two Eurasian powers. Scaliger elaborates, Of course, not every sovereign country may be willing to submit to such a process. Russia and China, their other deficiencies aside, remain extremely nationalistic and resistant to assimilation into existing international systems. Both countries are very reluctant to enter into any type of binding agreement or treaty with other countries or with any international authority, and typically flout the rules of any international organization that they do end up joining. And both countries are large enough and well enough armed that even a Gulf War-style international coalition might not be able to compel them 
to accede to the demands of the international community. Thus, the ultimate objective of the so-called international community, i.e. the internationalist, whose policies and priorities completely dominate the foreign policy agenda in the West, including the United States, is the establishment of a single world government by consent if possible, but by force if necessary. Most of their actions are guided by the imperative of creating political, military, and economic conditions favorable to the eventual establishment of such a, quote, world order. As for a Russian-Chinese-led New World Order, this too has been in the making for some time. One of the highest-ranking and most important Soviet defectors to ever defect to the West was Anatoly Golitsyn. In his first book, originally published in 1984, New Lies for Old, he made well over a hundred predictions that have since come true about the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, such as the staged collapse of communism, the formation of a seemingly multi-party, socially democratic Russian state, the fall of the Berlin Wall, and even the reunification of Germany. On page 158 of his sequel book, The Perestroika Deception, published thrice in 1990, 1993, and 1985, Galitzin wrote, quote, Behind the mask of diplomatic and political cooperation and partnership with the United States and Europe, the current Russian leaders are following the strategy of their predecessors and working towards a new world order. When the right moment comes, the mask will be dropped and the Russians, with Chinese help, will seek to impose their system on the West on their own terms as the culmination of a second October socialist revolution. Rather than getting caught up in the battle as to what form of regional collectivism is preferable for Ukraine to be subjugated under, the EU or EAEU, the United States should steer clear of entangling alliances, especially those designed to facilitate world government. The U.S. should only ever go to war when it is declared so by Congress and only after or in the event that the United States is attacked or threatened by an actual attack. While serving in the U.S. House of Representatives, future U.S. President John Quincy Adams rightly stated about America's foreign policy, but she goes not abroad in search of monsters to destroy. She is the well-wisher to the freedom and independence of all. The John Birch Society urges you to contact your U.S. representative and senator and encourage them not to authorize any further troop deployments or military aid to the region that will only further escalate an already tense situation and increase the chances of our being pulled into an unconstitutional war overseas. We also urge you to contact your state legislators and urge them to nullify unconstitutional federal deployments of your state's National Guard. In fact, bills that would do just that have already been introduced in Florida, HB 261 and SB 422, New Hampshire, HB 1092-FN, Missouri, HB 2098, Oklahoma, SB 135, West Virginia, HB 2138, and Iowa, HF 332. We have also prepared state legislative alerts for those bills at jbs.org. If you live in one of those states, click on the Act Now tab, then scroll to State Alerts and click on the state on the map to find the list of alerts for your state. 
in the case of the bills in the Florida legislature, for example, our legislative alert states, quote, HB 261 and SB 422 would prevent combat deployments of the Florida National Guard by the federal government in the absence of a congressional declaration of war or other constitutional reason in accordance with Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 and 15 of the U.S. Constitution. Florida especially should act on this front, seeing as how 165 troops from Florida's Army National Guard 53rd Infantry Brigade Combat Team are currently in Ukraine. Bring the troops home. Those National Guardsmen should be withdrawn immediately from Ukraine. Be sure to share this video with others, and for more information about the situation in Ukraine, we recommend that you get a copy of the February 14, 2022 issue of the New American Magazine and read the cover story article, Russia versus Ukraine, Is It Our Fight?, written by Charles Scaliger. Copies of this issue can be purchased from Shop TNA and Shop JBS websites. Until next week, keep America free and God bless.